0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at infofamilyfellowship.us. At now here's Lee Pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. One of the things that um, I enjoy, I, I think I've probably mentioned it to you guys uh, in the past many times before. Is uh, Lynn and I like to ride roller coasters. And uh, sadly, we probably won't do it much uh, any longer because our kids are all gone and out of the house. And so there's no reason for us just to. You were fading fast on me there, so. Um, So that's probably something we won't do much anymore, but uh, it's just fun to me. Always has been. I especially like the ones where the track is above you and your feet hang uh, below you. That's my favorite. Those, you know, they not only do they do loops, but they also do loops and barrel rolls. And so it just throws your body around. That's just a lot of fun to me. I like the rush on that. Um, But one thing that every roller coaster has in common, even if they don't have loops, is they have the, you know, the climb and the fall and the climb and the fall, the the up, the down. Uh, And and that's why when life brings a high point followed by a low point, that's followed by a high point followed by a low point, we say that life has been a roller coaster. Well, I feel like we've been on a roller coaster ride for the last few weeks. I don't know about you. Because we, we have this high point where... The rapture of the church happens, and Christ comes, and and we, are, those who know Christ, our Savior, we're we're called to Him. followed by a low point because there's chaos and confusion on the earth as a result. But then, for those that are on the earth, for them there seems to be a high point because the Antichrist brings calm and and creates peace on the earth. But then there's that's followed by a low point because then the earth and its inhabitants experience the the sealed trumpet and bold judgments leading to Armageddon. And then Christ's return, upon which at that point, every unbeliever is killed. But as bad as it was on earth during the Great Tribulation, now today, events swing completely in the other direction again. As Jesus rules and reigns on the earth for a thousand years, which is what we're going to talk about today. So we stopped last week in Revelation chapter 19, and... In chapter 20, where we're going to pick up this morning, the Apostle John continues to write down the vision of future events that God had given to him. But when we get to the thousand-year reign of Christ, John doesn't give a lot of details. He basically acknowledges it and acknowledges the length of it and the structure of it, but that's about it. But we do get a lot of details from some of the Old Testament prophets. Specifically, I'm going to choose this morning, Isaiah. So this morning, I want to share with you five notable events in the thousand-year reign of Christ. And again, we're kind of working our way through. And, and, and so we have this today, and then I, I, I end the series next week with the last final event, which is the judgment of unbelievers. So five notable events in the thousand-year reign of Christ. The first is Satan is removed from the earth. Satan is removed from the earth. In Revelation chapter 20, let's look. begin reading in verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. So last week, at the very end, at the into the battle of Armageddon. The Antichrist and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. That's their permanent eternity. And now Satan is being dealt with. But this punishment that he faces isn't his permanent state. It's something that's only going to last for a thousand years. And the Bible tells us here that an angel doesn't say who it is, but obviously it's a very powerful angel, comes down from heaven, and seizes Satan. I don't know about you, but I have visual images when I when I read scripture, and so I see this angel coming down and grabbing Satan by the collar and lifting him up off of his feet. And Satan is powerless to do anything about it. I know all of you have probably seen videos where one kid, usually at a school or whatever, but but one one kid is bullying another kid. And just giving this kid a hard time and, and making fun of him and calling him names and, and pushing him and hitting him. And, and the, the kid that's getting bullied is usually the, the smaller and the, the the bully's the bigger kid. But then somebody comes in from outside the video who then just cold cocks the bully and just beats the boogers out of him. And I don't know about you, but but when I see that, I'm like, Yes. I love it when the bully gets what he's been dishing out. Now, I realize that some of you are here and you think, well, it's not good to praise violence even against a bully. And I do. I, I totally respect your even-killed approach. I'm just not mature enough to be there yet. <laughs> I, 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 there is a biblical principle called sowing and reaping. And it tells us that there are things that when we sow certain things, we're going to reap that same thing. And so whenever I see it happen, I'm just like, okay, biblical principle coming into play here, and that bully's getting exactly what he or she deserves. Satan has bullied mankind for a long, long time. But someday soon, an angel is going to come and going to take care of that bully, and he will, the Bible says, wrap Satan in chains and throw him in a bottomless pit and lock that pit up for a thousand years. And and I'll get to some specifics about this later, but but ponder this just for a moment. A world in which Satan does not exist. Let that begin to see how, how that changes the world that we would live in. Can you even imagine? And for a thousand years, people live on an earth that has no Satan to deceive anyone on the entire planet. For thousands of years, Satan has had the freedom to roam the earth and to deceive mankind into to to thinking of various ways that the world could be made better apart from Christ. And so he's convinced some that the world would be better through war or genocide or education or tolerance or the protection of the environment and even through religion. And use those things to replace the role of Jesus. But once Satan is removed from the earth, he cannot deceive the nations anymore. So the first thing that happens is Satan is removed from the earth. The second thing is then Jesus establishes order on the earth. You see, Satan has been the one that has has had dominion. Now he's gone, and so Jesus establishes a new form of order. Verse 4, John goes on to say, Then I saw thrones, and people sitting on them had been given the authority... To Judge so, so we're seeing here this picture of, of new order. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they all came to life again and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. John here says that in in the the, the second thing in the thousand-year reign of Christ are thrones and people on them ruling and reigning. See, during this time, Jesus established this new rule of order. And John here points out that those who are ruling, now he's not pointing out everybody, he's saying what he sees here what he sees are those ruling are the believers who were martyred for their faith in Jesus during the tribulation. Now, the rest of Scripture shows us that it's not only them that rule and reign. We also rule and reign. You say, okay, well, how, how do we know that? Well, if you remember last week, I shared with you that after Christians are, or two weeks ago, after believers are judged then Jesus draws them to himself like a groom draws his bride, right? So it's giving us a picture of Christ who will be ruling and the church as his bride. And the bride of every king rules and reigns alongside the king. So those who are martyred in the tribulation rule and reign. Pre-rapture believers also rule and reign. In Matthew chapter 19... In verse 27 and 28, the disciples were, were Jesus had just told the disciples, it's, it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And and, and that's kind of got their mind kind of rolling. Okay, well, what does this mean for us? And they said, okay, well, kind of paraphrasing, what do we get out of this then? That's what Peter, uh, uh, Peter says, verse 27. We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus replied, I assure you, that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. It appears from Scripture that believers in Jesus rule over the believers in the thousand-year reign, and the apostles rule over Israel during the thousand-year reign. So Jesus establishes order on the earth. We are, as believers, we are ruling and reigning with him. The third thing that happens is Jesus renews the earth from its tribulation devastation. We talked last week about all of the chaos and all the destruction and all the devastation that would happen in the last three and a half years of the tribulation, what we call the great tribulation. But now Jesus renews it from all that devastation. We just read verse 28, but let's look at it again. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, but I want to stop there just for a second. This word new it is, is a Greek word that really means renewed or, or made new again. If, you, if you're reading the NLT like I am, your notes at the bottom use the word regeneration. So Jesus isn't talking here about when the earth is destroyed and he, and God makes a new heaven and a new earth. That happens after the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is talking about during the thousand-year reign. And he is going to renew the earth back to its Garden of Eden form. If you remember uh, back when Adam and Eve were in the garden, everything was good, but then they disobeyed and they ate the fruit from the tree that God said not to eat. And in Genesis three seventeen and 19, I'm not going to read it just for time's sake, The the scripture tells us that the earth was perfect, but as a result of their sin, it was corrupted. It was cursed. And so things like bull nettles grew. and, And thorn bushes. And then as a result of their sin, insects like fire ants and chiggers and mosquitoes became nuisances. And snakes became poisonous and lions became carnivorous hunters. But when the thousand-year reign of Christ begins, Jesus will renew the earth back to its Garden of Eden form. In Isaiah chapter 55, I want to read a couple of verses to you. This is describing uh, this time and this renewal. Verse 12, the Bible says, You will live during the thousand-year reign in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the fields will clap their hands, where once there were thorns... Cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. I'll go over a couple of pages to chapter 65. But we're given some more description from Isaiah the prophet, more details about this time. And so in Isaiah 65, look at verse 19. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer Will babies die when only a few days old? No longer will adults die before they've lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the cursed will die that young. So no weeping, no crying, no, no stillborn births or miscarriages or SIDS. People are going to return to living a, a long time because their bodies aren't racked with disease that's the result of sin. And it says only the cursed will die At a hundred years old, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Verse 21. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike in the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They won't work in vain. Their children will not be doomed to misfortune, for they are a people blessed by the Lord, and their children too will be blessed. I will answer them, Before they even call to me, while they're still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. So the Bible says that that people's work will be abundant and fruitful and joyful. You say, okay, what is this really going to be like? I don't really know exactly. All I know is, is whatever it is you're doing will produce joy all the time. And then I can't even wrap my mind around the fact that in verse 24... God says that while you're starting to even form a thought about what your needs, God's going to answer it before you even pray. Verse 25. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. Not on each other, by the way. Side by side. The lion will eat hay like a cow. Snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. So animals will be at peace with one another and with mankind. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6, In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. After all of the devastation of the tribulation, God begins to restore the earth back to its Garden of Eden form. And life is being lived as it was meant to be lived when God placed man and woman on the earth at the very beginning. It literally is a utopia. It is the Garden of Eden and no presence of Satan. So life conditions are perfect, but they're only perfect for a thousand years. And that brings us to the fourth thing. Satan is then released in order to reveal mankind's heart's Back in Revelation chapter 7, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, it says, when the thousand years comes to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He's going to be let out of that bottomless pit and released from his chains. Verse 8, he will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. So, so Satan is released from the bottomless pit. He, he, he's given time to go out and to deceive the earth, and he builds up an army that then moves in on God's people. But at that point, fire from heaven comes and devours them all. Everything was perfect. The earth was perfect. It was like the Garden of Eden... Why would God allow Satan out of the bottomless pit? Well, here's the. This is the really the key to understanding this whole thing. It's simply this: Yes, the earth was renewed to Garden of Eden conditions, but men and women were not. See, men and women still they're still mortal. They still have a sin nature, and so even though Satan is not present in the thousand-year reign to to tempt or deceive, that sin nature is present in everyone and it still leaves mankind with the free will and the ability to reject Jesus. And so when the tribulation is over and the thousand-year reign of Christ begins, every person at the beginning of that thousand-year reign will believe in Jesus. But they will have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and so on and so forth. And some of them, even though the conditions are perfect, will not commit their lives to following Jesus. We read the verse earlier about um, people won't be considered young at a 100, but only the cursed will die at that age. See, some, because of their sin, if God deems it worthy, during the thousand-year reign, will have their life ended prematurely because of their sin. Others may pretend to follow Jesus, and they may fool others around them, but when Jesus ushers in that final stage of eternity, he allows Satan to be loosed, not to tempt those who believe in Jesus, but to reveal those who don't. And all of those who don't will gather to him to form this great army and it will be the worst decision of their life and their eternity because they will get the same punishment as Satan. And that brings us to the fifth notable event, which is Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Then the devil who deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. And there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Listen. Listen. I know that people struggle with this this concept of hell, the lake of fire, and and how could God and all that. But here's the thing that we've got to understand. The lake of fire was always created for Satan and for his followers. That's what Matthew 25, 41 tells us. It wasn't created for man. It was created for Satan and all who would follow him. And at the end of the thousand-year reign, Satan will receive the eternal punishment that he deserves For rejecting Christ, he has caused so much pain and devastation in the world that the lake of fire is a deserving punishment for him. But since it is considered justice for him, it must also be justice for everyone who rejects Christ and follows Satan. See, there's not a middle road. People either follow Jesus or they reject Jesus, and by doing so, follow Satan. And if they do, they will end up in the lake of fire for eternity with Satan. Once Satan is cast into the lake of fire, there is only one thing left to happen. We've been kind of walking through all of these events that that are going to happen in the future. And, and, And when Satan is cast into the lake of fire, there's only one thing left before we experience heaven for all eternity. And that is the judgment for all unbelievers at what's called the great white throne judgment. And that's what we're going to talk about next week as we kind of pick up right where we're leaving off this morning. So here's here's what I want us to leave with today. The lake of fire is a real place. Real people are going to go there. Not just not just people that are alive in the thousand-year reign but reject Christ. But every person that we know, that we rub shoulders with, that we work beside, that we see in our neighborhood, that does not commit their lives to following Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in the lake of fire with Satan. And as I've said over and over and over, the study of prophetic events isn't about us knowing more of the Bible. It is about caring more about people. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? We must care about people. Heaven is real, hell is real, and every person is going to one of those two places. And the determining factor isn't if they go to church or a denomination that they belong to, if they've done some good deeds. None of those things are the determining factor. What determines your eternity is what you do with Jesus. Because you either follow him and commit your life to him or you reject him and you follow the path and the leadership and the deception of Satan. That must give us an urgency and a boldness to tell people about Jesus. And I challenge you to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you Lord, that you've given us a little bit of a glimpse into these future events. Lord, these are things that if we know Christ as our Savior, we will be experiencing as we rule and reign with you. We don't deserve for you to love us like a groom loves a bride, but you do. and So we thank you for that. God, help us to be a faithful bride. Lord, forgive us, forgive me, when we often fail, when we sin against you. Help our lives not to stand in the way of people coming to know Jesus as their Savior. And ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, Just a couple of quick things. If you're our guest, uh, I hope that you were willing to fill out that communication card. And uh, you can either drop it in one of the offering boxes on your way out, or you can meet Steve at the information booth, which is right across from the front doors, and uh, give that to him, and he has a gift for you. Uh, Also, uh, one of the things that uh, we like to do every year is uh, we like to uh, put a little gift in the hands of all of our classroom teachers. If you are a classroom teacher, here's what I need you to do just for a second. We want to put a, a, a Walmart gift card in your hand, and uh, we know that you often have to to uh, use your own money to buy um, resources for your classes. And so we want to just kind of help and be a blessing with that. Uh, as your church, we love you. We respect you. We know that, that that is a calling for you. And that's a fancy word of saying it is your ministry and your mission field. And so we thank you for that. So I just need you to do this. If you're a classroom teacher... Uh, would you stand just from a, one of our guys is going to bring a card to you. We're not going to embarrass you, either, but we want to we want to bless you. So guys with cards, get to them very quickly. As soon as as soon as you're given a card, you can have a seat. And we'll pretend like this is part of that silence in heaven for a half an hour as it takes us just a little while to get to everybody. Um, I have a couple of things that I want to share with you and and uh, uh, before we have one more song this morning. One of the things that we also have done, and we're going to have a word of prayer right before the song and the video, but uh, we want to pray for our teachers. But one of the things that we committed to at the first of this summer is to trying to put um, Bibles in the hands of North Koreans. And, uh, so we, we have, you guys have been so awesome to give this summer. And we said we were going to do it just through the end of the summer. So we just got a few more weeks. I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been a part of that, um, to consider doing that. And if you have, maybe you might just say, you know what? I want to do it one more. I want to give one more time. Lord, I pray for all of our classroom teachers. I pray, Lord, that you would, um, use them. Uh, There there are many days for them that they are discouraged and and hurting and tired and overwhelmed. And I just pray, Lord, that you would provide for them through the power of your spirit, the strength, uh, a a breath of fresh air when they need it uh, to be able to serve and to serve well the children of our community. And, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would allow us to to be a blessing to people in, in a... Oppressed and repressive country like North Korea that need copies of the Scriptures. And $10 buys a copy and gets it in their hands. So Lord, I pray that you would just uh, take the money that we give, multiply it in the way that only you can, and allow us to be a blessing to those people who also have a desire to see their countrymen come to know jesus as their savior even though they serve and they have to to meet even in private pray that you would protect them bless them and use them lord we love you we thank you for your faithfulness to us in jesus name amen